This week, Yutet Adar is the yard site of Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac Tendler, who was a Ram, a Rosh Hashiva, in Yeshiva Shabbinu Yaakov Yosef for many years, and passed away in Tovshin Mem, on Yutet Adar. In a way, I feel a little uncomfortable to speak about Rav Tendler, because I really know little about his personal biography. I don't know when he was born, where he was born. It reminds me of a time when Rav Salavechik was Masbid, one of the Rashi Yeshiva at Yeshiva University, Rav Fishman. And he got up at the Hesped and he said, sometimes you understand intuitively who someone is. You meet him for the first time and you know that you share a certain past with him and indeed a certain destiny with him. He mentioned this about Rav Fishman and he said, I don't know where he learned, where he was brought up, but I do know that he, I felt that he had the same derech as I did, the same goals, the same aspirations that I did. My choice of Rav Tendler for this week is because of my personal connection with Rav Tendler. I learned in his shir in Yeshiva Sabinu Yaakov Yosef many, many years ago. What I remember most distinctly and the reason that I wanted to discuss Rabbi Tendler is because he just exuded Avas HaTorah. The love of Torah, the enjoyment of saying the shir, the enjoyment of Chidush, whether it be in Lamdis, in Gemara, in Chumash, or even in Mili de Alma, in mundane things, was a special joy in his life. And you see, you, you could sense his involvement with Torah in all areas. I remember at the end of a school year, one year, the tests on secular subjects were going on, and there was no requirement to come to learn. But Rabbi Tandler said, I'm going to give shir anyway. Whoever wants to come will come. Down on the first floor of the building, he said shir. Three or four students came. And he said shir like there was a, f- a room filled with students. Students used to walk into the building to become, get early for the secular tests. And some walked in and peeked into the room and saw what we were doing. And he said, that, and they used to walk out immediately because they saw we were learning, they walked out. So Rabbi Tender on the spot said, now I understand the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Two people who sit and learn together, so you sense the Shekhinah there. But if two people sit and they do not learn, then it becomes conglomerate of jokers, a Moshe of Leitzin. So the obvious question is that the contrast is too sharp. If two people learn, then you assume the Shekhinah is there. If they don't learn, the Shekhinah is not there. Why does it already become a Moshe of Leitzin? He said, today I understood it. When two people sit and learn, we had such a small group learning, people walked in and saw us learning, they immediately walked out. So who's left? Who stays there? The Shekhinah. So a few people learn, and the Shekhinah is there. But if they 
but if they're not learning, then all those people that peeked into the room, they'll come in to join, and it'll automatically become a Moshev Leitzim. But he wanted to be there with the Shechina Shora. He wanted to be there with that small group that learned, and it seemed that nothing else in the world was very important. When I say I don't know where he learned, it's perhaps because of a faulty memory, but generally when I learned by Rabbanim, you always sense who and where they learned because they quote the people that they learned from. When you heard a shir from Rav Gusman, for example, you knew that Rav Gusman learned by the Shari Yosha by Rav Shimon, he used to quote Rav Shimon. A person who learned by Rav Salavechik and quotes Rav Salavechik all the time. When people who learned in almost any yeshiva, they quote the people from the Mir will quote Rav Chaim Shmolevitz. I don't remember Rav Tendler quoting his Rabbanim. I do remember him learning using achronim that no one ever heard of. When we learned Masechah's Gitten, he had two books on his table that he used. Avas Tzion, Machane Yisrael and Gitten, Svarim that I think are not that well known in the yeshiva world, and he used them a lot. But I remember his own intuitive thinking on many sugyas, and to this day I can repeat some of the shiurim that he said in those days. When we got to the sugya of Afkinu Rabbanon Kedushin Minei, we were learning Gitten Daflamet Gimel, and that's the famous Gemara that says the Chachamim have the power to take away Kedushin, Rabbi Te- Rabbi Tendler, in his inimitable style, a person who was known in yeshiva for a specific style, he always walked around with a, a cigar, he always walked around with a joke, with a, with a story, and he used to come and say in his style, I don't believe it. How could it possibly be that Chachanim could take away Kedushin? He said, let's say a person was married for 20 years, and then the Chachamim, for whatever reason, in the Gemara, Bittel Hagiat, whatever the case may be, Chacham would take away the condition. He says, I don't believe it. You mean this woman was not married for 20 years? If now she is, can she now marry a Kohen? She was never divorced. So could she marry a Kohen? Are the relatives not forbidden to the, to the couple that had once been married? Of course, now I know that Rishonim in Ksubas raised the question. There's a long discussion about this in a sefer called Marcheshes. But I just remember how Rabbi Tender attacked the sugya on his own, with his own understanding, with a tremendous belief in the power of learning Torah by yourself. He used to make many, many incisive comments on Chumash, and what I said, mili de alma, but even what we call mili de alma, mundane things, don't forget the Gemara says, sichaschulin shal chachamim tzvichalimud. Even the mundane conversations of tamri chachamim require analysis. He used to explain all kinds of very, very clever ideas on Chumash on Friday, and he used to tell stories in connection with those Torah. One Friday, I remember 
that he said, please stop me if I told you this already. Whenever anybody tells you to stop them if you heard it already, my advice would be, don't do that. The person enjoys telling the story, let him tell it again, Chazara is okay. But I was in very good terms with Rabbi Tendler at the time. I also was young and perhaps with a little bit impulsive to do things I shouldn't have done. So Rabbi Tendler said, interrupt me if I say, said this already. So I interrupted him. So he looked at me and said, how do you know that you heard this story from me? Perhaps you do recall the story, but you heard it from someone else. So I told him, I remember distinctly that you told the story and I told it over to my father in your name. A story, a vart, an idea. So he said in a very plaintive tone to me, why do you not tell your father my chidushim? Why do you tell him the stories? The stories and all those Divrei Torah of Friday were only a means to get to a bigger connection, to the connection of true Avasatora, the connection of the Shi'urim that he gave. And isn't this a complaint that many, many Rabbadim and many, many Rashi Yeshiva will have, that after Me'av Esrim, what do we really recall? We recall a story, a song, an incident that occurred, do we really remember the chidushim that we heard over the years? To the best of my knowledge, Rav Tendler did not leave Ksavim. I don't know of a sefer that he left. And today, his memory will be remembered so fondly and so lovingly by so many students, by so many Talmidim over the years at, at RJJ, and they'll tell you many, many ideas, many thoughts, many stories about Rabbi Tendler, but I question how many people will be able to say chidushim that he said. Sometimes a person's legacy is found in his farim. Rabbi Tendler's legacy is found among his students, those thousands of students that he taught over the years who get together, as I've done on various occasions, with Talmidim, and recount the ideas, the stories, the Divrei Torah that we heard from Ibi Yitzhak Isaac Tendler. His legacy is also found in his children. In a generation where it was very difficult to bring up children in the spirit of Torah mitzvahs. Let's remember, schools, yeshivas, were not that common. The religious atmosphere of America in the 30s, the 40s, the 50s was weak, to put it mildly. And Rabbi Tendler had the privilege of having children, some of whom are world famous. Rabbi Moshe David Tendler, the Rosh Hashiva biologist, son-in-law of Moshe Feinstein, Rav and Mansi, Tamid Chacham, his brother, Rav Yosef Tendler, a Rebbe at Ner Yisrael for many years, another brother, Rav Shalom Tendler, who was, who is Rosh Hashiva in Los Angeles for many years. In such a generation, to bring up such a family, 
connected to Torah mitzvahs, becoming each one special in their own areas, in their own fields, required tremendous Mesiras Nefesh and also Siyata Deshmaya. Rabbi Tendler used to cre- credit the fact that he was in the yeshiva in Rabbi Yaakov Yosef and that yeshiva helped him educate his children. In that respect, he showed tremendous Hakara Satova to the yeshiva. He used to talk about Mr. Bunim. Mr. Bunim was the guiding spirit of Yeshiva's Rabbeinu Yaakov Yosef. In a certain sense, he was a sponsor of Torah in America in many areas. A close friend of Rabbi Aaron Cutler, whose kochos were maybe divided among other institutions as well, but he was Mr. Rabbeinu Yaakov Yosef. He was the Balabas who kept the place going. And I remember Rabbi Tendler speaking about Mr. Bunim, how grateful we have to be to him for building this yeshiva. And because of this yeshiva, the Talmidim who went to that yeshiva, to Yeshiva Sabin Yaakov Yosef, were able, many of them, to withstand the general culture found outside the streets of New York and become true B'nai Torah. Rabbi, some of Rabbi Tendler's uh, chidushim will uh, be well known by his students. I'd like to say one or two of them that I remember. They show a different style of interpretation, but sometimes you learn halachas from it, sometimes you learn ideas from it. When Yosef argued with his brothers, and the brothers say that they did not steal the Gavia. Yosef accused them of stealing the Gavia. So Yos- they said to Yosef, Anybody of your slaves that will, it will be found by them should die, but we will be slaves if they're found by us. Gamanachnu we also will be slaves. The person who is found should die and we should be slaves. Moshe's, Yosef's response was, You're right. Whoever, by, whoever I find it by, he'll be a slave. That's not what the brothers suggested at all. The brothers said, whoever it's found, that person should die. The rest will be slaves. And Yosef said, no, I'll do what you said. The person by whom it is found, he will be a slave. So Rabbi Tandler brought a halachic explanation, which is typical of a certain approach to Torah. He said, Asher Yimatzei, he said, the, the brother said to Yosef, We generally mean, interpret this to mean, God forbid that we should have done this. Rabbi Tandler said, read it as a, as a, as a rhetorical question, is it not possible that your servants did it? What makes you think that we did it? Why don't you think your servants did it? If it's going to be found by one of your servants, then he should die. But if it's found by a Jew, we should be slaves. And Yosef's response was, yes, it'll be found by you and you'll be slaves. This uh, clever analysis of Chumash was something that I wouldn't say it's pshat. 
but it certainly enhanced the concept of Avasatara. It certainly created a tremendous spirit in the classroom, enabled Talmidim to become closer to Rav Tendler, Mimele, close, closer to the Torah, which he so loved and taught for so many years. Yehei Baruch.